And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love and sometimes hate of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this, this is Backstage, Backstage Biddies. So have you heard this conversation about whether or not we're still using the term golden age? Yes, I have. I saw some TikToks about it. Um, and it brought up a really good point that I'd never thought of. Yeah, so so there's a conversation being had right now about whether we're still using the phrase golden age to discuss that like pivotal era of musical theater in like the 50s, 60s. Um and whether it's appropriate to call it the golden era because it kind of reeks the high heaven of racism and homophobia and other bigotries. So is it right to refer to it in this sort of higher than thou sense? Right. And I, for a long time, I didn't understand why it was called the golden age other than it was just a time when a lot of this shit happened. Yeah, it was when it was when the American musical was born, right? So it's when like Oklahoma came about. It's when we got successes. Uh, it's it's just when the the American musical took the stage in a way that was accessible to the public, in a way that was different from the art forms that it's built on, like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the um, vaudeville and um, opera, right? So it's something new, it's something different, and it's something that the public at large can enjoy. Yeah. Carlo, how do you feel about it? Cranky is how he feels. What a change of pace. Right? Thank you, Carlo, for your contribution. Keeping it fresh as always. No, he's never cranky, so that's really rare for all of us. What a treasure. I know it. So the conversation, I guess, is about what do we call this era? Because it is crucial to the history of musical theater, and you can't just, like, not refer to it. We refer to it constantly. So what do we call it? So one of the options that I heard that I really liked is the Gilded Mm, yes, I think that's my the favorite. Gilded Age. I because I'm trying to think of some of the other options. Um, the, the really common one is the neoclassical era. Yeah, but even that still has this connotation because neoclassical meaning like uh, classic music, opera, namely being made new. Neo. But that still implies that, like, the classic stuff is is white folks' music. Right. And that's not true. I mean, most of those art forms have, like, deeply cultural roots in not white cultures. Right. And, like, with, um, there's also, like, mid-century. Yeah, I don't mind that either, um, just because it's, 
it's just a time frame and that to me feels morally ambiguous right because like when when was that time frame like the mid 1940s to the mid 1950s 60s Mm, okay so yeah like mid-century yeah that one also works i excuse me um i think the reason that i like the gilded is the way that i heard it explained is that it's like it's shiny on the outside but it's not you know that whole like all that glitters isn't gold mm-hmm. kind of right. deal gold, meaning like gold plated or like gold covered right so it you know it looks really pretty from the outside but there was a lot of problems within the industry itself um right that... I mean, times if we looked at at golden age musicals white christmas comes to mind where like we have to talk about blackface. We have to talk about minstrelsy. We have to talk about, you know, right. And um, and also, it, so and not just that, but also the way that performers and things were treated. Oh, absolutely. So you know, it's that thing of you see, um, thinking of like singing in the rain. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, how they were treated like utter shit. Yeah. Just like just trained animals. Right. I mean, Debbie Reynolds tapping until her feet were fault, literally like falling apart and bleeding. Like I it's, but you wouldn't know any of that watching it because it's, it's very stunning and there was tons of money put into it. Right, and the MGM effect where like everything is brand new and a million dollars. Right, which is why I think I really do like the Gilded Age. Mo- um, mid-century also just timeline-wise makes perfect sense. Yeah, but I think Gilded Age captures the spirit. Like, I mean, you've and I think that that's really, why I like it better. Yeah, I mean, you lay it out really well. I think that's exactly what that era was. Was stunning, incredible game-changing art that was not so good on the inside was in fact garbage (laughs) plus i think it's a lot easier as an industry if we say if we can say golden age and we can just kind of shift it to gilded age yeah i think the leap is a lot shorter oh for sure for sure maybe maybe gilded age you know that's our vote. What is your guys' vote? Yeah, sound off. How do you guys feel about it? You know, I saw oh, this thing on... Um, so we use Anchor. Well, it's like Spotify Not for Anchor podcasts anymore. now. Yeah. And there's an option to add a question. Yeah, we can add a, we can add like a poll. Let's add, let's add that. Let me write it down or I will absolutely forget. Yes, let's add that. And then folks, sound off. We'll figure it out off. We'll figure it. We'll figure that out. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Off, off mic. Also, um, speaking of off mic, we are recording a little differently today, folks. Just a fun fact. Ever. Yes. So, if the sound is different, which I am almost guaranteeing that it is, it's because really. 
I mean, we're both using the same. Uh, we use a mixer, I guess, when we're together. So maybe it will be, but I don't know. Right. Um, but I am dog sitting an entire state away, which now you can probably hear the dogs. Oh, no. Animals on the podcast. I know. Vinny, you've ruined everything. <laughs> I know. This week's um, guest hosts are Nelson and Gracie and whatever squirrel they're screaming at. Wow, what an esteemed panel of, of guests. I know it. And you might hear Georgia, their cat, at some point. I have, I'm in a separate room with the door shut. Nothing but the best for the biddies. Listen, listen, we have some of the best, <laughs> like, guest star co-hosts ever. Ever? Frankly. <laughs> God. Yeah. But anyway, so speaking of the the Gilded Age and the MGM of it all, we've got our, our movie this week. What's the hint? The hint is craps. 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 Do you play craps? No. Do you know how? Um, I Googled it. I assume it's a dice game. It is. So I'll just I'll just tell it to you now instead okay, of great. waiting waiting in the notes. No, um so craps is a dice game in which the players bet on the outcomes of the roll of a pair of dice. Oh, okay. So it's literally it's, it's like the dice game. Yeah. It's and it's literally just stuff. about luck. <laughs> because there's really there's really no way of making sh like there's no counting card. You know what I mean? Like in other yeah, aspects no, of gambling, there are no external factor that you can like strategize with. No, not really. I mean, maybe like you'd have to practice a fuckload, but like maybe how you hold the dice and like how, you know, hard you toss them or whatever. But I mean, other than that, and that's not even like a guaranteed kind of thing. There's not a lot of, there's not tons of strategy in that because you're just tossing dice. Right. I mean, unless you're coming in with like loaded dice or weight, weighted dice. Well, right. Or as we see later, a dice with no dots on it. Yeah. Let's not jump the gun. Ugh, mad about it. Anyway. <laughs> so we're talking about the 1955 film Guys and Dolls. Yay. Is it a yay? I don't think so. Did you ever watch this movie in like grade school or anything? No, this was genuinely the first time that I ever watched this. And so I was oh, confused because <laughs> I, I know um, I was waiting um, for, cause in my mind, there's this movie that I've seen parts of that has to do something with, show business it's from this time period it's a movie musical and it's not one that we've watched yet and i remember it from my childhood and i thought it was this it's mm. not and i have zero idea what that movie is okay so, well hopefully we come across it in our in our journey yeah because i'd be very curious as to what the hell <laughs> yeah i wonder i wonder I don't know. And it, like, I remember there being like, it's very like the colors and things that MGM uses. I remember there being some backstage stuff. I just, it's like, I have these memories and I don't have a single 
We haven't watched it yet. So it's not this one. Okay. But I watched this for the first time, this this go-round. Had you seen this before? I have seen this on one other occasion. This um, isn't one that you watch a few times a month? I really don't like Guys and Dolls. I don't really care for the music. I I don't think it's an interesting story because it's... <laughs> It's an old MGM film, and the golden age of MGM movie musicals had this tendency to turn out star vehicle films that really don't mean anything. Like, what is the moral of this film? Nothing. There is, like, it's, it's, I'm sure there is a moral to take away. Like, there's a lesson that characters learn at some point, but like, it's just white people fluff. Well, and like, listen, I'm all for a frivolous musical. Um, but not this one. It just, uh, I don't mind a frivolous musical when it's something fun and interesting, like the best little whorehouse in Texas. Or just like some, you know, I, I don't know. I just uh, like to be frivolous. It has to be fun. This isn't fun. It isn't fun. (laughs) And it's just some of the day. Anyway. Okay. So anyway, this was a musical before it was a movie. You're Um, right. This is a musical by Frank Lesser. The book was written by Joe Swirling and Abe Burroughs. It's based on stories by Damon Runyon, who uh, you mentioned in our before we got started, he was the one who was given the rights. It's because he yeah. wrote the stories that it was based on. So he like he was the one who optioned the film because he had the rights to it. So um, <clears throat> it's actually based on a handful of characters from him. And so it's, it's based on two short stories mostly. And then they borrow a bunch of other Runyon characters to kind of flesh out the rest of the storytelling. And uh, again, that's Joe Swirling and Abe Burroughs who do that. And I think they did a particularly good job on on the book writing for this movie, this musical. Uh, It made it to Broadway in 1950. It made it to the West End in 1953. It's had oodles and caboodles of revivals and tours in both places. Uh, At the Tonys, it won Best Musical and Best Book. At the Olivier's, it won Outstanding Musical, and uh, it's won Best Revival at both award shows since then on multiple occasions. That's what I know. That's what you know, and that's what I know now. That's what all of you know now. Oh my God, sharing knowledge. What a gift. A treasure. <laughs> uh, so of a movie. Right? Um, so this was released November 3rd, 1955. It was directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz. And he also wrote the screenplay. Cinematography was by Harry Stralding. And music by Frank Losser. Yes. The cast. We've got Marlon Brando as Sky Masterson. You mean Brandon Marlowe? Brandon Marlowe. Uh, Gene Simmons as Sister Sarah Brown. <laughs> Gene Simmons? A yeah. Sweat with the oldies? Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> um, no, not that Gene Simmons. Um, right here. <laughs> right? I would have really loved um, for him to play Sister Sarah Brown. I would love to see it. I think that, I think, here we go, kids. What's Gene (laughs) Simmons up to? Um, 
But she also, fun fact, voiced Grandma Sophie in Howl's Moving Castle. I have never seen Howl's Moving Castle. Really? Never once. Oh my god! I know. What the heck? I enjoy. I enjoy the. F- I enjoy that film. I, there's a handful of Miyazaki things that I have not seen. Alexis and I recently have been knocking out a bunch of them. I still haven't seen Ponyo, and everyone talks about that. Ponyo, Ponyo. Copyright. That's why I stopped going. Yeah. That one is a wild one. Anyway, <laughs> back to this movie. Uh, <laughs> Frank Sinatra as Nathan Detroit. Vivian Blaine as Miss Adelaide. Stubby K as Nicely Nicely Johnson. Stupid fucking name. B.S. Pulley. As Big Julie. Oh my god. His name's B.S. Pulley. Oh, why? I don't know. Ask his mama. Oh, my God. Uh, Johnny Silver as Benny South Street. Robert Keith as Lieutenant Brannigan. Sheldon Leonard as Harry the Horse. I wonder how I got that name. (laughs) That was my nickname in college. Oh, my God. Uh, Danny Dayton as Rusty Charlie. That was mine. Uh, Rusty Charlie? Yeah. Sexy. Yeah, it's pretty hot. Um, George E. Stone as Society Max. Regis. Regis! Regis Philbin <laughs> is in this movie? Yeah! What an no. all-star cast. <laughs> Regis Toomey as... Oh, no. Arvid Abernathy. Fine. That's that's Uncle Arvid, Sarah's uncle. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Catherine Gibby as General Matilda Cartwright. Which, by the way, Cartwright, was that the last name of the people? What was the last name of the people in the in the in the Happiest Millionaire? Uh, uh Biddles. Oh, okay. Never mind. Did you think it was Cartwright? I was like, I just had that thought right now of like, ah, she's like a general fighting for the souls of humanity. <clears throat> what if it's one of the, what if it's one of the relations of that? Cause it would, they were real people. It makes sense. I don't know. Well, they were real people. Yeah. I mean, she has the same last name as Karen Cartwright from smash. Hmm. I wonder if they're related. Probably. Distantly. Right. Uh, Vida Ann Borg as Laverne. K.E. Cooter as Calvin. We've got I'm Renee. Sorry, one more time. K.E. Cooter? Cooter? K-U-T-E-R? Cooter. Cooter. <laughs> All right. I just okay. had to check. You keep going. <laughs> Oh no. Anyway, <laughs> Renee Renner as Cuban singer. The Goldwyn girls, not the Golden girls. The Goldwyn girls. Um as the Hotbox girls. 
Fun fact, um, Lucille Ball was a Goldwyn girl. Was she really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, work. Isn't that wild? Um, yeah. so for those That's of you who don't know, but I fair I'm very confused by it. And I was like, are we sure? Are we sure? So um for those of you who don't know, the Goldwyn girls uh was this group that this guy, Goldwyn, um, brought together and they became this chorus that was used in a bunch of movie movies. Yeah, slash- they were in everything. And they were modeled after the Ziegfeld Follies. So, fun fact. Some of the girls in this one um, include June Kirby, uh, Pat Sheehan, and Larry Thomas. Okay, work. Yeah. Um, and Larry Thomas also plays the seductive dancer who dances with Marlon Brando. In the, the seductive cu- dancer. In the, in the Cuba sequence. Production for this guy. So, um... In 1952 is when the rights um, were kind of like being figured out of optioning for a movie musical, right? Um, Damon Rannon was the one that had gotten those rights at first. Uh, The film was supposed to originally thought to star Bob Hope as Nathan Detroit and Bing Crosby as Sky Masterson. Um. But they had also considered Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Nice. Yeah. Um, The whole Rat Pack was up for this. I mean, essentially. Because this is very, like, a mobster, like, gambling underground movie. Mm -hmm. That's what this whole musical is, essentially. Um, Now you can shut this episode off. (laughs) You've watched the movie. You know everything there is. You did it. You did it. Um, So... The thing is, is that Marlon Brando and Gene Simmons are not singers. You don't say. I, I, yeah. And here's the thing, is that not just watching, I'm not just saying that because I watched the movie uh, with my own ears. Um, <laughs> but because they were only known as actors. Mm-hmm. at the time and both of them when they were hired were under the assumption that their voices were going to be dubbed for the film because everyone knew that these were not people who would sing yeah um and not people who pretended that they could no they were straight up like no we don't that's not a thing that we do and the um, Mr. Goldwyn, who is the one who ended up producing, like, bankrolling this entire production, um, was like, it's totally fine because your voices are, quote-unquote, real. Okay. The fuck does that mean? Do people want real voices? Bing Crosby has a very real voice, asshole. <laughs> like Does that want you for real voices in a musical? Is that the formula that has worked up to this point? I well, and that's the thing is that I'm like, really? Who asked? Really? Like, I'm sorry, he's also the one that had the Goldwyn girls. And I'm like, would you have pulled some random bippy off the street who couldn't fucking dance to be in that? Maybe he did. 
Maybe I don't know That's nothing. How we enough. Feel all got there. My God. But according to press materials, it was not revealed to the public until like right before the film opened that the two of them would be doing their own singing. Yeah, because it would have been bad press because they can't sing. Right. And there were some reviews that obviously commented on Brando's lack of singing experience and and Simmons' voices. And they were like, they're fine. Yeah, I guess it's not fair to say that they can't sing. No, it's and That's it's not they that they don't have like formal training doing it. It's baffling to me because everybody else, so like, um, I mean, there's fucking Frank Sinatra in this. Right. He's so like you're stacking them against some of the some of the most well-trained voices in the industry at the time. Well, and there are people, even like the guy who plays Nicely Nicely, he was also on Broadway. Like, I just, I'm very confused as to why two of the leads, You've right? made two courses today. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. And Hollis Alpert, which was a critic at the time, said, Brando can't really sing. But he has moments when he almost convinces you that he can. <laughs> <laughs> and Simmons, on the other hand, can almost sing. She has a clear and likable voice. I would agree. I think so, especially with the stuff that she ends up singing. Yeah. I think I think that it it her voice never bothered me. It was Brando's that did. Yeah, Brando definitely definitely has moments. And it's not every moment. No. No. But um enough where I was like <laughs> especially at the time, because I'm like, seriously? I've seen the other shit that like MGM has been a part of and put out. Not that they were producing this right because it was goldwyn that like i said bankrolled the whole thing because the budget originally was supposed to be five mil that he put up but it ended up being 5.5 which isn't bad mgm stands for metro goldwyn meyer well then what do i know he was a he was listed as like a separate goldwyn no, but he was listed as a separate thing from MGM. I mean, maybe he did so this So I'm assuming, like, his own personal money. Sure, maybe financially. But, like, as far as, like, design, production, you know, the Megillah of it. Oh, that stuff, fun. yeah. Anyway, so um, the box office was all right. It made 6.8. They still made money, but of course, at this time, I'm like, movie musicals were popular, and you do have Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra in this. So, you know, kind of thing. They were nominated uh, at... Yeah. They were nominated at the Academy Awards for Best Art Direction, Cinematography, Costume Design, and Score. Work. Um, Their wins for this movie were actually only at the Golden Globes. Um... Oh, they didn't win anything at the Academy Awards, but the stuff that they were nominated for at the Golden Globes, they won. So I don't anyway. um, So they won Best Picture, Movie, uh, Musical or Comedy, Um, Best Actress, Musical or Comedy for Gene Simmons. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, let's why don't we get into this then? 
Let's do it. Let's dive into some plot biddies. If we must. I, well, that's what we're doing here. Okay. And listen, we only have to talk about this movie once, and then we don't have to talk about it ever again. Thank God. Isn't that great? So we come on in, um, and we see essentially what is supposed to be Times Square. Yeah, it's an MGM sound studio. Right. This whole movie is very much like this isn't it doesn't look real no like at any point it's very like this is maybe the thickest the mgm veneer has ever been on a film for us yeah i can't think of one that has like the entirety of this movie looks like the fantasy sequence from singing in the rain exactly that that's what i was also thinking like it it's all manufactured and color blocked and fake and none of the signs um they didn't want any of the branding but they wanted it to like remind people of what the billboards and stuff in downtown new york looks like exactly uh so the ensemble comes in right at the top here just singing the house all the way down they're not singing. I mean, yeah, they are. They dance this whole time. There's They're no singing. There's no singing at the top of this movie. I have it's six minutes until we hear anything happen. Under the entire credit sequence at the beginning, they sing a song. Oh, that I'm past that. <laughs> okay, like until oh. like. Once the street comes to life is like where I enter in because mm. all credits and everything happens. And then like street comes to life. And from that moment, we don't hear any singing until like several minutes into that. Yeah. Yeah. When, once the action starts, it's like very heavily underscored. Yeah. And it's just, it's dancing and it's kind of depicting like, um, Life in New York. Life in New York on Times Square. Yeah. Um, there's like cops that are randomly walking around and people are looking at racing forms and different modes of gambling and they're hiding it quickly whenever the cops walk by. I feel like all of this could have been condensed way down and still gotten the oh, point across. Way down. It could this have been like a minute and a half. This movie is two and a half hours long. Yeah. And there's a lot of sections where I was like, okay, here's where you could have cut five minutes. Yeah. I mean, we, so this movie is two and a half hours long, but we both mentioned before we started that this is like maybe one of the shortest set of notes we've ever taken. Because there's so much happening, but nothing's actually happening. Right. Like, and it's wise. And to me, the dance some of the dancing is very impressive nice right sure i do love a good dance break but not all of it because this like this opening number for example is it's a lot just of movement like, 
Yeah, it's a lot of like uh, like guided suggestive movement that's meant to like. Uh, it's very like musical theater, like narrative dancing, character driven dancing. I didn't need it. No, I don't either. It's not it's not spectacular dancing in in the sense of like West Side Story or like, uh, like Singing in the Rain or you know it's it's very like. It almost feels like a like a dream ballet right off the top. I hated it. Uh, yeah, and I do mean that as an insult. So <laughs> yeah, I I did not I did not enjoy this. Um, but then my first note about the actual film itself was it, I didn't know if this was MGM or not at the, at the at that moment, and I was like, is this MGM? Because everything looks brand new and expensive as shit. That's that was literally like my third or fourth note. I was like, is this is this what this is? There's a lot yeah. of the co like coloring and certain things like oh, that. Oh, for sure. Like very. For example, there's there's one lady who like, I, I think she's meant to look very like Audrey Hepburn. She has like a cigarette on a cigarette holder, and she like walks through with uh with a dude following her, arms full of packages, and there's two particular packages. One that's like a chartreuse, and one that's like a hot pink, mm -hmm. and they have this kind of like stripe detail thing all the way around them. Um, and I was like, holy buckets. It's like someone distilled MGM down to like a formula and then just like threw it at the screen. Fully. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing to have a recognizable style, but like it's very MGM. Right. And we just get so many minutes right off the top of just nothing. So, um, and then the first thing that we do here is from who we later find out is nicely nicely benny and i believe harry the horse is in that too nicely nicely is a stupid name it is stupid um i'm probably just gonna end up calling him nicely throughout this whole thing there's a lot of real stupid names in this and i know that they're like mobster names like they're nicknames for gamblers right but I just, I think it's dumb. So um, they're singing about horse races, which, um, and the whole first section where we don't get any dialogue, it's all the all the movement and stuff. We're seeing a lot of racing forms and different things like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, is this about like horse, like gambling on horse races or, you know, whatever? No. We never come back to that. Yeah, I think at the very so end someone like pulls out a racing form well it's just the form of gambling that we're we're discussing in the moment right we're going to talk um, about a billion other different kinds of gambles before we're done here but this is just like the one that they're doing in the beginning right off the top so um we meet nicely benny and harry the horse i literally have what are these names um and we kind of find out that there's this guy, Nathan Detroit. He is always the one who is finding places and um, people that are willing to host gambling nights, which is very illegal. Mm -hmm. And we find out there's a new lieutenant um, in the police force, Lieutenant Brannigan, who has been cracking down really hard on this. and. The heat is on, as they say, of <laughs> of trying to like really 
catch especially like there's a group of guys that ends up being like the group of gambling guys in this film that they're some of the biggest names in that and he's like i just i just need to catch you one fucking time and this will be done i will have rid the city of gambling i'm that good because <laughs> he's taking care of all like the the smaller lesser petty like pettier kind of gambling stuff but this is these are like the big kahunas right right and we find out that nathan's been having a hard time finding anybody that will allow the gambling to happen in their business or you know whatever um and it's called a, a floating crap game which by the way almost this entire movie it's only called a crap game <laughs> but the game's name is craps yeah like it's craps is not plural for a bunch of small crap games <laughs> it's the name of the actual game i don't know why but it really was bugging me because it's like crap game are they are they not saying craps so that way they can no. maybe like cover up they're projecting about the quality of this film. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> so we find out that Nathan's been having a hard time finding a spot. He ends up talking to this guy at the Biltmore garage in town. And he's like, yeah, sure, you can do it here. But you need to pay me a thousand bucks upfront cash in order for me to even consider. And he's like, I don't have that kind of cash on me, right? And he's like, but we need to figure this out because there's a bunch of really big gamblers in town for the next couple days. He's like, that's how I can make a bunch of dough. And I don't have money. We find out that Nathan has been engaged to this woman, Adelaide, for 14 years today is their 14th anniversary and he's like i don't even have enough money to buy her a little gift i need these games to happen so that way i can have some money um yeah. and he talks about the fact that like the biltmore garage won't even take his marker which i looked that up and um casino markers are zero interest loans that the casino treats similarly to checks expecting that patrons are to redeem them within 30 days or less. So it's essentially like he's writing because it's, it's supposed to mean more than just an IOU. A marker is like the guy's word. And then if it gets out that he didn't pay his marker, he's going to be completely fucked in this kind of world. Right. Oh, and, okay. So it's, it's like this is this is a big deal for them to offer up a marker instead of just being like, no, I'll, I'll just owe you a thousand dollars. It's like a note being like, no, 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 on my name, on my reputation, I will get you this money. And if they don't, then everyone in that world finds out and they won't be allowed to do any of this anymore. Or they could even because a lot of this was run via mob stuff, right? they could get the shit beaten out of them or even possibly die depending on how much money it was. So, I mean, 
Yeah. So he's like, the fact that he won't even take my marker or something, and we find out that, like, Nathan has been this guy who has done this since he was a kid. He has been that kind of middleman between a business that is willing to host a game and gamblers. Um, and then he takes a cut off the top. He never gambles himself. Smart man. Smart, smart, smart. Um, so he's like, I'm, I'm fucked. I can't find this money. They won't take my marker because of the heat that the cops are putting on. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the rules and things that have been in place. And we end up, which by the way, a thousand dollars back in 1950, because I was like, oh, the musical was 1950 and this was 1955. Back in 1950, it has the same purchasing power today as $12,619.38. Oh my God. Yeah. We live in the end times. Yeah. Do you have any idea how absurd it is that wages haven't changed in, I don't know, what, like 20 years? But the purchasing power of the dollar has changed that much. That is absurdity. It's trash. Like, literally, how did we get bamboozled this hard? I don't know. No, better question. Who bamboozled us this hard? A bunch of assholes. Light your torch and pitch, folks! Um, <laughs> I love that you just did a little angry, like, mob, mob person dance. Yeah. But this we're is on for you. audio medium. <laughs> listen, listen. We could have posted some video, but you did not have time to get ready. No, you don't want me to turn my camera on today, ladies and gentlemen. Because you're a busy man. Um, I so, look like I was hit by a Mack truck and drowned by a swamp witch. And the fact that you won't even just turn it on so that way, like, we could look at each other during nope. this. <laughs> I have seen you look pretty terrible. The bags under my eyes today are so deeply creased that my bottom lash line is touching my cheekbone. Mmm. Like if, if I were to set, like, if I were to set, like, I don't know, like a piece of string or like a like a piece of fishing line or something under my eye and just look at you dead on, it would disappear into my face. Mmm. Hot. Yeah. Also, because the weather has been bonkers.com and we we just haven't gotten any rain and it's been humid as all get out. And also I have psoriasis and so my stress level is crazy this time of year. Um, my face is just flaking apart in pieces. Hot. Yeah. When I tell you that I look, I look like did you ever see that Disney Channel original movie about the the imaginary best friend that becomes a, a monster under the bed? I forget the name of the movie. I don't know. Okay, so for anybody who does remember, the premise of the movie is that there are uh, imaginary best friends, but when their like, human best friend forgets about them, they become a monster under the bed. And they go through this like, horrific transition that's how i feel today oh. i'm i am the monster under the bed 
and not one living soul needs to see my face until I have applied many creams. <laughs> You're Voldemort at the end. Yes. Just pieces. Yeah. Silently. Apart. Yeah. My inner light slowly shining out through me as I burst into a million pieces. Hot. Yeah. So what happens next? Okay, so... <laughs> My God, folks, it's going to be We're going to talk about today. anything but this movie today. Anything and everything. Um, so we get the number of the oldest establishment, parentheses, permanent floating crap game. Okay, men's chorus. So they do a fantastic job. And it's essentially all of these guys that are kind of bolstering Nathan of like, no, you can do it. You You have been running the oldest and longest and most well-established floating crap game in the history of a, of gambling floating crap floating crap game which okay at this point floating crap might be a good title floating crap <laughs> yeah yeah because we end on a, we end with the with the boat number which thank you for bringing that up so when we heard that it was a floating crap game my brain went Oh, they're doing it on a boat. <laughs> Which is why they're having difficulty. They're in New York. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a city in two rivers. There's possibilities here. So I'm like, oh, okay. So they like shift location, different boats each time. You know, whatever. And I or like at least I thought at least one of the locations was going to be a boat it's not and then because i was like oh yeah the number sit down you're rocking the boat brilliant no because it's floating because they're on a boat yeah i can't believe you cracked the code frank lesser can't hide anything from you nothing <laughs> not from this sleuth Christ. Anyway, but seriously, they do a fantastic job singing here. Um, and they <laughs> have this moment where they're all like, so they're in this diner called Mindy's, which actually is a fictionalized representation of Lindy's. I think I've heard of that before. It's well, it's a famous New York City restaurant noted for its cheesecake. Yeah. I think I've heard of them before on like I watch a lot of Food Network travel shows. Mm. So I think I've heard of that place before. That makes sense. Um but they're all in here and they get this moment of like leaning so they're all singing about how great and wonderful he is and they all lean in at once and say whisper crap game because <laughs> Because they're like, you've been running the oldest established. And I'm like, there are times where you just fully with your full chest sing floating crap game. Except at one point, they just like whisper crap game. Okay. I don't know if like a new guy walks in or I don't, I don't fucking know. Anyway. No, that just, one, that time it was a secret. That time, that one time it was a secret. So. Yeah. He's like, okay, all right, fine. You've stroked my ego. I'll get it figured out. We'll have a crap game. It's great. 
so they're so they're in this restaurant and they're like okay i'll and he nathan obviously frequents there a lot and we find out that nicely and benny are like nathan's right hand guys and they're having a little a little coffee he wants a little danish there's no danish so then there's this whole thing about like just have cheesecake. No, I don't want cheesecake. I want a Danish. Do you want strudel? No, I hate strudel. It's a whole fucking thing. Anyway. Um, which makes him think of this idea. So Sky Masterson is in town. He is at Mindy's. And he is one of the most notorious gamblers ever, right? And not just, like, he has a lot of luck. He wins a lot. And not just that, but he is known for making absolutely crazy bets. Like, one of the examples that is given is that he had a fever. And before he would allow the doctors to give him medications to bring it down, he's like, no, I bet you that I can, my temperature can get up to 104. And he won because his temp got up to 106. Like you showed him. (laughs) I fucking guess like these crazy bets for crazy, crazy dollar amounts. Right. Um, so he has this idea of like, Oh my God. Okay. I have an idea. Do you think, and he tells his guys to go find out if Mindy sold more, how many cheesecakes they sold yesterday versus how many strudel they sold yesterday. And he's like essentially coming up with this plan to try and trick Sky into a bet that he can win. So that way he can win a thousand dollars to put on the the craps game and all of that kind of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got a lie to play his crappy game. Right. Well, he runs into Adelaide. And she's like, oh my god, Nathan, da 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 whatever. And um Adelaide is the blueprint for the character actress. She is fantastic. She's I absolutely complex. love her. She's unique, she's annoying, she's glamorous, she's I mean, she's everything that a golden age character actress should be. Right. And the and to me, I think the best part is is that she's not mean. Like there's a lot oh, of times, no, no. right? There's a lot of times that those characters end up also being like Lena Lamont. Ex- exactly that, and she's not. She is everything that Lena is, except mean, except cruel. Yeah, she's so nice, and so she's so in love with Nathan, and um, she's like, oh my god, hey, how's it going? And she's like, by the way, it's our anniversary. And he's like, no, I know, I know. And he was avoiding that topic and avoiding her because he felt bad that he couldn't get her a gift. And she gets him these business cards that just say, um, like, his name and then general manager. Yeah, because whatever you do, you're going to be the best at it. Right. And which is so sweet. And she's just like, because we find out that she he had promised her that he was going to get out of the gambling biz mm-hmm. and that they were going to get married and all of this stuff. Cause again, they've been engaged for 14 years. Yeah. And coming from someone who was engaged for six years, five years, six years. 
Something like that, yeah. I always forget if it was five when we actually got married, if it was five when we were supposed to get married before COVID. But either way, from someone who had it was five, it was it was going to be five when you were going to get married in 2020. I just did the math. Okay, and then it was so it was six years when we finally got married. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, either way, 14 years is too long of an engagement. Too long. And thinking about this, this was the 1950s. Like, people would know each other for two months, get engaged, and be married within the year. Not saying that that was, like, the best course of action, but the fact that this was going on for 14. Yeah. What are you, what are either of you waiting for? And he kept being like, no, no, no. I, and, and even when Adelaide wasn't around, this whole movie is Nathan being like, no, I'm in love with her. Like, even to his homies that are like, oh, she's just a broad. She's just a doll. She's just, you know, da, da, da. He's like, no, she's not. So it's this kind of like, I don't know if he was wait, he, if he was wanting to wait until he could make a bunch of money because we later find out um, kind of in this conversation a bit too, that she is a performer. And so it kind of seems like she makes solid money all the time and he, he doesn't. Breadwinner for sure. Right. And so he's like, no, no, no. He's like always like, oh, just, just wait. We can't afford it right now. We can't afford it right now. And it's because he can't afford it right now. Yeah, which I understand because, again, we had a long engagement and we had a long engagement because of the fact that we couldn't afford the wedding that we wanted. Weddings so are we had, expensive. They're so expensive. We cut every corner in the book and still spent 20 grand. Yeah. Like, granted, we spent 20 grand over the course of, like, three or four years. Right. It wasn't all at once. Right. It's not like we sat down and we're like, well, book everything. And we've spent 20 grand, but, but we spent $20,000 over the course of four years to, to get all the things and all the bookings and all of the vendors and all of the gowns and like, and again, we cut every corner we could think of. Yeah. To still have the wedding that you wanted. Right. To still achieve the wedding that we had dreamed of so like i i understand putting it off because you don't think you can afford it but like sir 14 years 14 you had to have, you definitely had winnings and or not winnings because he's like off the top but for that long fucking come on yeah also um just like now there aren't rules about like when you have the wedding like, you can be married without having a wedding. Like, just go sign the paperwork and be married. And, like, what are you waiting for? Throw the party later. Right. It's just, it's just fucking mess. Yeah. I don't know if we've had that conversation on the podcast or not. But there's a distinct difference between a marriage and a wedding. And I feel like we don't talk about it often enough. Because a wedding is, like, a wedding is a ceremony. It's a religious rite. It's a party. It's a celebration. It's a whatever. A marriage... It's a legal, technically it's a legal ownership, right? Um, between two people, uh, like literally when we signed the paperwork, the paperwork I filed with the state says that Ross owns me. 
hot verbatim not like in old no time. it's very literally what that piece of paper says it's very ownership and very much so like and depending on the state you live in like right. your shit is now also my shit and if you leave and try to and take all of the shit right that's not allowed right it's illegal and, Right, and that depends on like the state because there's some states where it's fifty-fifty law, and some oh, yeah. stuff it's not that. And Nevada, anyway. for example, very different divorce rights. Um, than yeah, Wisconsin, for example. <laughs> right, right, and um, um, annulment as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which um, is why people and how quickly you can get a license there and all of that kind of stuff because because yeah. it's all of kind what of happens. Different a game over there so yeah casual um so like not not because of the whole state but but yeah so marriage and a wedding are a different thing and like there was one time in college i took a poly it's the only poli sci course i ever took but it was on like it was constitutional law and uh it was during the hullabaloo with kim davis that i forget what she did in the government but she was like refusing uh, queer couples marriage licenses mm. which was like her job she was a register in deeds yes 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 and she was refusing to give out marriage licenses to queer couples for their marriages and um we were discussing it in class one day and someone i i was furious at the time because ross and i had like just been engaged and we're looking at planning our own wedding and like having this conversation around like whether she was doing the moral thing or not. And whether it was like against her religious convictions that like she had to do her job, even though it went against her, her own personal religious convictions. And I was really quiet about it because I was filled with a white hot rage of a thousand sons. And so I didn't say anything during that class discussion because I was the only queer kid in this classroom of like, 20-ish kids. And finally, the professor asked me at the end of the class, he was like, Drake, not to put you on the spot, but I know this affects you personally. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we end class period today? And I was like, I'm, I'm only going to say this once nicely, and this is not an invitation for, for discussion or argument or debate, because I am not at present capable of having a rational debate about this because I am deeply, deeply personally affected by, by this conversation. Um, so please don't take this as an invitation to counter my argument. Um, but I was like a marriage and a wedding are two different things. No one is asking here to be, uh, to be allowed Catholic marriage rights. Like no one is asking for religious figureheads to wed us in a, in a church under the eyes and hands of God. And maybe some people do want that. And maybe there, there will be room for that somewhere down the line in the conversation. But the, the big conversation that we're having is like, is imaginary. It's this fake ruffled feather by a religious zealot. And like, and so I ended, I just said like a marriage and a wedding are two different things. And if you don't understand the difference, then you should remove yourself from the conversation until you do. And some girl, it was a, a like a distance ed class. So half the class was in another classroom on a different campus, like via video and uh, with the professor, like he wasn't in the room with us. And some girl 
um, started arguing with it uh, and like said something and she was like, well, what do you think about that? And what about my religion and this and that? And I like, I pressed my little buzzer thing in and I was like, you're a bitch and you're not invited to my wedding. And she shut right up and I was like, I don't like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So distinctly separate things. Right. It's one thing if she was, um, a head of a church and these people were like, no, you legally have to marry us. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother. That is then, that is is then the separation of like your religious beliefs versus law. Like that's not what this is. Do the two things happen in in conjunction often? Yeah. Of course. But they're also not mutually exclusive. Yeah. They are completely separate enterprises. So, and for someone who's never had to look at it that way, like I can understand why you wouldn't like, I can understand why they're intrinsically linked in your brain and like, you can't separate them, but they are in fact separate. Right. Well, and I just, I think of like all the different kinds of um, cultures that have different types of ceremonies and different things like that. And I'm like, so would you deny that because you know and that's a whole thing right and it's like that's not what this is this is literally paperwork right between two consensual adults so right it's the crux of a lot of a lot of uh bigoted laws i feel is that like and before it didn't even need to be two consensual adults in some places it doesn't need to be adults still in the united states fun fact for you folks out there yeah, while well, everyone's clutching their pearls over over gay rights and whether or not you should be forced to make a website for a gay wedding or a bake a cake for a gay wedding or whatever it is that bigots have decided to take to the Supreme Court this week, um, child marriage is still legal in like like a ton of states. Yeah. Over and there half, are I would bet. I bet it's over half. It is. And there are even some places that um it recently has been brought up of like, Hey, this is a thing that we should just go ahead and like do away with. Like you have to be 18 to get married. End of sentence. And there are people that are fighting that. Yeah. Like tooth and nail, like politicians, not just like groups outside of that, like actual politicians being like, no outside of that. Like there aren't, 13 year old should be able to get married exactly it's not like a there aren't like organizations who are like this is a human right you're stepping on my don't tread on me when i marry a child like it's not there aren't groups of people there's not a demographic of people who are like egging it on it's almost exclusively politicians which is gross yeah it's deeply deeply troubling anyway back to some other shit (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. So I think I don't even know where in, I was. I think we're in Mindy's. We're about to meet uh Sky Masterson. Yes. So are you following along at home, folks? Um <laughs> I don't care if you are, it makes no difference to me. My God. Okay. So oh, we were talking about Nathan and Adelaide. So they are having this conversation she's under the impression that he's not going to be gambling anymore he's like well fuck i need to continue to gamble but no right 
So she fucks off and has lunch. And he is sitting there and he finds out that, okay, so yesterday Mindy sold 1,200 cheesecakes and 1,500 strudel. So he's trying to get, um, like, Sky walks by and he's like, Sky Masterson, right? And he's trying to egg him into this bet of, do you think that they sell more cheesecake or do they sell more strudel? Yeah, he's like slick talking, fast talking. He's like, I bet I know. I bet I can take a pretty good guess. And they both are. I bet you would. Right, and he's like, he's like, oh, I'll bet you a thousand dollars that they sell more strudel than cheesecake. And Sky always brings up his dad, (laughs) his daddy, uh, that gave him all of these life lessons, and essentially the life lesson, the story that this life lesson is boils down to, um, don't take bets that someone is offering you. Oh yeah. Like, like the fact that he's like, no, I bet you that Strudel, like he's really trying to force him into this bet. And he's like, I really bet you that Strudel, they sell more Strudel than cheesecake. And he's like, I'm not doing that bet with you because you seem really keen on getting me to bet with you, which probably means, you know, the answer. And I'm not fucking doing that. Your bet was incredibly specific. Yeah. And also taking that. And the fact that Sky like was willing to talk to him, but was trying to like get away from that co- conversation, and he kept bringing it back to that. Uh huh. And he's well, like, he "No, I'll, I'll bet you a thousand dollars." And he's like, "I'm not fucking doing this with you, Nathan." Whatever. Eventually, the um nicely and Benny show up and bring up the fact that they knew about that. It's the first thing they say. And so Nathan's like, oh, fuck. Okay, I was fully found. Instead of just, like, not having the bet happen and it just being, like, a weird thing, my two right-hand guys just came up and essentially was like, hey, you know that bet that you were trying to make with uh, Sky? How did it go? (laughs) With Sky standing right there. Also, I don't think I mentioned it, but um, when... We see Sky Masterson for the first time when he makes his entrance. Yeah. I wrote down in all caps, everyone shut up. It's Marlon Brando. Nobody move. Because he's so hot. I can see that. Have you ever seen? Shut up. (laughs) You're so gay. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He's very pretty for a man. Very pretty. Oh my god! You get gayer every day. Yes. Every day. He's, he's so hot. Um, have you seen that GIF of of Marlon Brando rolling his eyes? Yes. Oh my god! I have it saved on literally every platform. He's so hot. Oh my god! Um, I use it all the time. And he talks like, I don't, is that the way he talks all the time? (laughs) I don't think so. I think this is a character voice. Okay. Because I got to tell you something that I, it, his voice bugged me in that there was a certain pattern and the way that he 
in the way that he was speaking that I was like, why is this really just grating to my very core? And it took me right up until the very end of the movie. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, It's because there's a Trump has a similar. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It sounds like a Trump impersonation, but it's from 1955. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, why am I absolutely aggravated? Yeah, like oh, no. to my, like watching part. this, and he's supposed to be like this really great guy, and he's supposed to this, and he's like one of our, he's like our main guy, right? He is Sky Masterson, and I'm like, I loathe you, and I don't know why. Yeah, I, uh, oh, fully. And that's what it is. That's what it is. So, yeah, um, like Donald. Weird. Or I should say it, Donald sounds like him because, like, yeah, clearly Marlon Brando came first. Yeah. Who came first? The chicken or the Cheeto? Um, <laughs> I don't want to do this with you anymore. Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope, um, I hope that this method of recording picks up on all of the laughter because when we make noise at the same time, I don't know if it does it on your end, but there's like a noise reducing thing that happens. Yeah. I hope that everyone gets to hear both of our cackle. I I hope so too. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, anyway, they're making a bet about Danish. My God. Talking about like the fact that we have no notes for this fucking thing and it's taking forever to get through it because we're just like, no, we refuse. We refuse to talk about this movie at all. Anyway, okay. Power through. Come on, Benny. You got this. Okay. So. Give me the Cliff Notes version. Let's fire through some stuff. Okay. So, Sky, Nathan, having that conversation about the cheesecake thing, he gets found out. They start having a conversation about women, except they call them dolls. This entire conversation pisses me off. Um, Sky goes on to say all dolls are the same because they're having a conversation about Nathan and Adelaide. And Nathan's like, no, they're not, because Adelaide is the best. And he's like, no, they're all the same. So they get into a bet that Nathan can pick the girl, and Sky has to get her to go to Havana with him tomorrow. Havana, Cuba. Havana, Cuba. He's like, all dames are... Like all dolls are, I keep saying dames because to me it makes more sense for this time period. Um, all dolls are the same. I can do it, and he chooses Sarah Brown, which is this gal who is on this save a soul mission, stop drinking and gambling, walks around with like a like a very small marching band at all times, and is on there. They're on a mission to save souls. Fine. Um, and he's like, oh, fuck. Okay. I I just walked right into the thing that I tried to get out of with that whole cheesecake debacle. Son of a bitch. Okay, fine. So he's like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll head over to the mission and see what I can do because I bet $1,000 that I can get this girl to go to Havana with me. 
So we're at the mission and we find out that she is called, I believe, Sergeant. Sure. Um, and so they're using military names for all of their people at the mission because they are, <laughs> they're fighting a war against quote, a whole army of devil's disciples. Relatable content here in New York. Um, and they're awesome having girls when we go out in, in Chicago. <laughs> oh my God. And, <laughs> and an army of sinners. Yeah, and she's, we kind of find out that, like, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing well here. We haven't saved a single soul. We can't get anybody to come to our meetings. Why aren't people coming? Aren't we fun? And they're, like, in garb that is very resembling military, like, formal wear. Yeah, it's it's like sort of military a jackets and... Yeah, I think they're marching band uniforms. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Um, but it's and, but it's also giving that, right? Like marching yeah, band yeah. kind of gives that anyway. But it does, um, yeah, they're very military inspired. But Sarah has um has this habit for attracting terrible people. Yeah. Right? It's like her thing. So the lady in charge of her even mentions when when they're like trying to shut down this chapter that she's like, if Sarah Brown can't find sinners in New York City then no one will. Right. So we got to shut her down. Right. Oh, we're not even, we're not even there yet. Oh, okay. Well, that's what's about to happen. That That's <laughs> what happens in several notes. Okay, here we go. Let's see how quickly we can make those two notes meet. <laughs> it's a game. <laughs> Time me. Um, so Sky walks in to the mission and is having a conversation with Sarah of like, and kind of like trying to see where she's at to figure out his best bet to get her to come with him. And we find out that like, they have these little signs that has Bible quotes on them every day. Um, and he's like, Hey, you quoted that wrong. It's actually Isaiah blah, 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 and not Matthews, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, you're wrong. And they have a whole fight about it. Turns out he was right. And they go back and forth quippily. Um, and this whole time he's trying to be like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a sinner and I want to reform and help me with that, sister, and blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, no, fuck you. Which I'm like, well, maybe that's why you can't get anybody to reform, Sarah. <laughs> Because she doesn't know who Sky is. It's not like she knows who Sky is and is like, there's no fucking way that you are going to do this, right? Right. Like he's just some guy who showed up and like told her he'd like to repent. He and is he actively seducing her, which is like, oh, fully. You know, it, it is what it is. But uh, I think it's because he thinks that that is a slight tactic that he can also use here, of like giving oh, her some of like that kind of attention without crossing a line too far. Yeah. It does cross a line with her, though, because she does this thing where she fiddles with a button on her uniform when she's nervous. It's her, like, second from the top button. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes okay. she leaves it unbuttoned, and sometimes, and, like, throughout the film, like, some other people, like, her uncle will fix it. Yeah, because it's it's this, like, character choice that she's made that she's, like, I think they even reference it in the text later when they're, when, later, 
Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a character choice that she's constantly like fastening and unfastening this button on her uniform. And like, she goes in, like she is like, her hand is like really just a moving and a going. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> as they're talking oh, wow. and <laughs> again, again, audio medium, Biddy. <laughs> yeah. But you heard the voice thing. It's like a nervous. Yeah. You're right. Tick, whatever. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you've never complained about my fun dancing and faces before. <laughs> so um he's so to- a fortune cookie bin. Where can they find you? <laughs> let's have some cheesecake. I want this episode to be over so bad. <laughs> All right, let's work on that. Um <laughs> so he tries to strike a deal with her. I will get you 12 genuine sinners in here for your next midnight meeting, which I'm like, that's a, okay, fine. Um, if you come to dinner with me and she's like, okay, like, that's a thing that I could do. And then he's like, she's like, well, where is it? And he says some name and she's like, oh, that's kind of an interesting name. He's like, well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll pick you up at noon tomorrow. Why the fuck noon? It's dinner. Well, because we got to fly to Havana. Talk about burying the fucking lead. <laughs> anyway. I love their timbres here, too, as they kind of, like, duet back and forth at each other. Yeah. I yeah. love the Golden Age timbre. It's, like, one of my favorite things about Golden Age musicals. Because the timbre... The, the, the timbre of contemporary musical theater, especially right now, is very like forward, high, bright, um, like very much like in your mask as far as like resonators go on your face. Like it's it's all just very like bright and forward and nasal and wide and like and it's not bad, it's just different. But the the golden age timbre was so Warm and lush. Yeah, like warm and cozy and comfortable and relaxed. Wraps me in a in a blankie fresh from the dryer. Yeah. Oh god, it's just so good. And, and and again, neither one is wrong. There's just so much more like tension and force and control involved in contemporary musical theater. And that's I think it's because of the competitive nature of the industry that like this is the sound that you can train yourself to make. And so when you make it on stage or in, in, in an audition or in front of a casting panel or whatever, they can kind of assess how good you are. Like it's a, it's a skill that you can be given as right. opposed to the golden age when it was about like your natural timbre and like singing in like a relaxed, like almost legit style. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's and for two and for two non-singers <laughs> you're right. And for two non-singers, I think that they they do a good job here. They do right? fine. They do we fine. get the number they we get the number I'll know which is essentially cuz she freaks out and is like I'm not going to fucking Cuba with you and she's like I've met men like you before because trash bags are attracted to me. 
and I'll I'll know the right guy when he comes and she's like sings about you know oh he'll he'll be this and he'll be that and he'll smoke tobacco in a pipe and you know whatever and simultaneously she's like well you won't know shit about shit because you don't even like women and he's like no I'll know I will also know because instead of he's like it's not going to be something that a person that I've envisioned, but it'll be a chemistry that I have thought of and, and hope to feel with someone. Right. Um, so it's kind of like the, the aesthetic feeling versus, uh, an emotional chemistry feeling between the two of them. Um, and he like pulls her in and starts making out with her and she's fighting it. And I'm like, Oh, I hate this. Oh, okay. And then she, like, relaxes her body and, like, just kind of, I'm like, oh, okay, is she now gobsmacked because he's that good at kissing? Um, And she acts, like, all starry-eyed and whatever when he pulls away and they get to the door. And she just fucking bitch slaps the hell out of him. The slap is so satisfying. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Because she's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to fight this. Instead, I'm going to be like, oh, look at me. And completely just fucking take him aback by bitch slapping him when he thinks that I've fallen for him or whatever. So he leaves and he says something about like, Oh, I'll, I'll have to, it's that, it's that thing, that quote of like turning the other cheek. Oh, sure. Yeah. And he's, he's mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'll, I'll have to reference blah, blah, blah. And he like gives the, gives the actual like quotation for it. And he's like, don't bother looking it up. It's the one about turning another cheek, which I thought was funny. Cause she slapped him on the cheek. And that's why. Anyway. Yes. Thank you. Well done. Yes. <laughs> Walk that all the way home. Um, <laughs> now we're at the hot box, which is the, um, the club that Adelaide performs at. And we get we get a couple club numbers throughout this movie uh, that are just I didn't need specifically this one. Um, this is the cat number. Yeah. This is this is absurd. I think you mean this is the number called Pet Me Papa. Yeah, I could have done without it. I hate it. So it it comes up and it's Adelaide and the Alley Cats. Um, I did not sign up to watch Cats again. <laughs> I didn't need it. So yeah, this is a lot. And this is a full-length number. This isn't it's like a, a short, number. quick, whatever, you know, it could have been. Yeah, um, it's like all these style costumes with, like, they're vaguely cat-esque. They have tails. They jump rope. They meow a tails, lot. They meow a lot. And it's... An, so in the actual show, the number that goes here is Bushel and a Peck. Which I love. And, and, and so that's like a cute it's not here. It's a and that's like a cutesy number and whatever. And this is about a woman being a cat and being like, uh, oh, if you pet me right, I'll come back and lick your saucer of milk. Meow. Like I no. I didn't like it. Anyway. Not that it wasn't performed well. It's just I did not like the number. Yeah. I think I, I think the dancing was great. I think the singing was good. 
it's executed fine, but I just don't like it. Right. Um, and especially when I found out that it could have just been bushel in a peck. And yeah. maybe, and maybe if I watched that, I would have also hated that number. Maybe. With however they did with it. Anyway, so um Adelaide gets off stage and Nathan is back in her dressing room uh pretending to read a book. And we find out that Adelaide keeps having this like cold happening. She'll like sneeze randomly or she'll have a cough or sniffles. And it's been happening for years now. And she's gone to the doctor, been tested for everything. And now he has given her this book of psychology um, and why this could be happening. And so for her to read it, and I'm like, oh my God, is this one of the first self-help books? <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. Um, and he, Nathan says, don't you, don't, I hope you don't think that you've got psychology. How do they even diagnose you for that? That you caught psychology. She's yeah. She's like, you have psychology too, and he's like, well, and she's like, everybody has psychology. It's about how the brain works. Oh, and I'm I, like, I never. I'm like, fucking get it, Adelaide. Um, and she's like, yeah, there could be something neurologically happening, which is triggering like these cold-like symptoms. Cool, fine. And they're. She also brings up the fact that she's getting a raise, like a pretty substantial raise. And she's like, we could finally pay for the wedding because I'm going to have this raise. Um, let's get married. And he's like, yeah, yeah, eventually we will. Like I, you know, not now, not. And she's like, listen, um, we have to, because years ago I did indeed inform my mother uh, that we were married. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, all right, we'll get married someday, so it won't be a lie. But and she's like, that's not the only thing, though, is that after a few years of us being married, I think she said two, her mom was wondering why they didn't have kids. And so she's, she's like, so... Woman, so I had to say something, so... So I told her that we had a kid, a son named Nathan Jr. And he was like, oh, okay, well, that's fucking weird, but I love you, and that's fine. Then she's like, but that's not the only thing, because she's you know, she comes from a time of wanting big families and thinking other people should have big families and, and knows that I always wanted a big family. And he's like, okay, how many fake kids are we talking? Five, five fake children. That's too many. <laughs> That's too many. And she's like, yeah. Um, and I said like Nathan jr. Won the football game last Saturday. And like, it's been years. That she's been lying about this. It hasn't been like the last few years of her being like, why are you engaged so long? It's probably been like a year or two after they got engaged. If the oldest kid after two years was is playing football on the weekends. Uh-huh. Um, choices. And he's like, okay, well, we'll get married and we'll have to figure out the whole five kids thing. And how could you lie to your mother? She's such a sweet woman. But that also means that you haven't seen your mother in the past 14 years. Correct. And she, I'm fairly certain she, from what I understand in the conversation, she only lives a, a like a couple states away. And I know that like at the time travel 
They had planes. I just, I'm very confused. Yeah, who knows? Um, so, yeah. This, anyway. This exchange between the two of them was when the, was the first time I wrote down the book writing is really solid. Yeah. Because the one thing that I think that this musical, this movie does particularly well is the the book is really well written. Yeah. Like the characters, uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot going on. The subplots all complement the main plot. Like the the book writing is really solid. And it's original. Yeah. You know, this isn't like a commodity or a character or a, like we see so commonly today. This was this was original stuff. It was based on written works, of course, but like what isn't? Right. So, um, one of the other showgirls comes in to borrow earrings and they're having a little conversation and she turns to Nathan and is like, Hey, by the way, fuck you, because I was supposed to have a date and now he's canceled on me because he's got to go to your craps game that you have. And Adelaide is like, what the entire fuck? You told me that you had stopped doing that, that these weren't, this wasn't a thing that was happening anymore. And he lied about it and was like, no, this is something I've had, I've had booked for a very long time and I couldn't cancel. And yeah, so she kicks him out and we get the number Adelaide's Lament, which. Which is I've, the only song that I enjoy in this movie. I love this. Um, it's hey, so cute. And it's her. idea. What if I start a playlist? Of all of the bops from movies that we've covered. Bitch, get it. So I I guess I want other people's input on this too. So feel free to sound off and let me know what you think. But I kind of think I should only pick one song per movie. I think so. Because my God, are we in like the 60s now for episodes? Late 50s? Yeah, I think this is episode. Yeah, we're in like we're in no, I think we're at the end of the 60s. This might even be like 68 or 69. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. Um so yeah. so maybe like with the exception of like uh like maybe if you won something at the at the Biddy Awards, you can get more than one or something. Like maybe there should be I don't know. I don't know. Input. What do you guys think? Let me know, listeners, what you think about it. Um, and if you would listen to that, if it's something that you would find useful or or necessary. Right. And of course, from this movie, we're going to do Adelaide's Lament. Of course, we're going to do Adelaide's Lament. So it's Homegirl just sitting in her dressing room being like, I reading this psychology book and it essentially boils down to I have these cold like symptoms because of the anxiety and anticipation of our marriage. And the fact that like, it's not happening yet and I don't know when it's going to happen. And I've been lying about things. And now it's like having like physical effects on me now. Right. And she, at the very start of this, she like had, there's this little box that she pushes a button on and I don't know what the fuck it's for. And so like, she goes through the number, does the whole thing. Um, 
And then at the end, she's back sitting where she was. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was connected to this box that's like a steam box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for vocal folds and things like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she she lifts it up at the end and just like plops her head in there. Yeah. It's just a big clear box with a towel on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I I laughed so hard. I did too. Because when I was like, the entire box. And then I, and because like she's at the hot box lounge, I was like, oh my God, talk about a hot box. LOL. LOL. Hot boxing yourself, except just steam. Um, from here, we see nicely Benny and Nathan all chatting again. And we get the number guys and dolls, which by the way, the entire, like we were midway through this number. And I was like, what fucking song is this? It's the title track. Well, because they don't like, because <laughs> they keep singing about dolls and da 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 da, whatever, and they don't really say much about like they don't say guys and dolls or anything like that. So I was like, what the fuck is this number? And I could not find like a a soundtrack list, which for every other movie I've been able to do, so that way I can put the actual titles of songs in. The only ones that I was finding was for was a mix of the oh. stage and the movie. And I'm like, okay, then I'm like trying to figure that all that out. And I had most of it except for one number that I could not find the fucking name of, which I'll bring up when it comes up. But I thought it was one number and it turns out it's not and mess. Anyway. So what this song is about is just Listen, if you see a man doing something that you think is stupid, it's because he's doing it for a woman. Correct. That's it. That's the number. Um, at the top of this number, nicely, nicely, Johnson breaks the fourth wall and points right into my living room. Yeah, because they're talking about, like, different kinds of guys that you see. And then, like, points because it's addressing the audience of, like, ah, you're this kind of person because you're watching this. I hated it. I I was in the middle of typing a, a note and then I looked up and he was pointing at me and I was like, ew. Just, just looking right into your soul from a sound stage in New York. In the 50s. I was like, what if you didn't? What if we didn't do this? Although the sound stage was probably in Hollywood, so it's probably in California. Yeah, but like they were in New York. Quote unquote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Um I hated it. Zero out of ten. I I I don't like this number. Nope, neither. No. And it's um, the metal track, so I think we you should like it. Yeah, you would think. It's weird to write a title track that is like not a fun, catchy tune. No, I couldn't hum it if I tried. Not even a little. I'm not I'm being dead serious right now. If I tried to hum it right now, I would end up humming um nothing like a dame from South Pacific. Yeah. yeah. So that's that on that. Yeah. So <laughs> um, remember before when you were talking about the fact that the general shows up and is going to close the branch? Yeah. We're at that note now. Oh, delightful. That took what was what was my so time? Long. I yeah, don't I know. know. I don't know either. Um. So guys, usually like a little behind the curtain, we can see how long we've been recording. The way that we're recording doesn't have that. And we don't know what time we started. 
and we're doing all of our like behind the scenes shit in this same recording because otherwise that'd be obnoxious. So this episode could be three hours long. And we'll have no way of we knowing would have edit. until it's done. So um, anyway, so the general shows up to the mission and Sarah's like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Um, and she's like, yeah, so you're not getting any numbers and we've decided that we're not going to put any money into this anymore. Um, so we're going to close this branch. Sky shows up from behind a wall for whatever fucking reason. We never find out why he was in there or how he was just hanging out. He was just hanging out. Um, and he overhears all of this. And Sarah's like, and this is when the general was like, Sarah, if you can't, because Sarah's like, no, it's me. It's my fault. Get someone else in here and you can probably do it. And the general's like, no, if you can't do it, you big old whore. I don't know how (laughs) we're going to get anybody else to do it. So Sky pops out from behind a wall and is like, hey, in very coded language but he's like hey remember the fact that i signed my marker for 12 souls to get you um to come to havana to have dinner with me would that or would that not save this branch of the mission because it It would two birds one stone yeah and no one else understands this conversation because again it's very coded language but she's like oh son of a bitch Okay, fine. So she's going to go to Cuba with him. So that way she can keep the mission. And I also think it's partially because, one, she doesn't want to fail. But two, I think it's this thing of, like, I don't want to leave New York. Yeah. Because I enjoy my time here and also maybe enjoy Sky. Sky's a factor for sure. So... Even if she doesn't want to admit it, right? Yeah, for sure. So want to admit it. (laughs) Right. So we're back at Mindy's and there's this whole slew of gangster guys there and they're all wearing red carnations. We find out from Benny. He's like, hey, so the red carnations is like the calling card. This is the only if someone's wearing a red carnation, then you can talk about this floating craps game um and where to meet and whatever otherwise you can't don't do it um and they're all sitting there waiting for nathan to show up and nathan is waiting for the money from this bet because he doesn't know that sky did in fact take sarah right at this point i mean it feels like an impossible bet so he's like for sure gonna win it but like yeah he's like this money is guaranteed i can't even tell these people where this game is going to be happening at because this garage is not letting me do that right it's this whole whole thing a lot of a domino effect is about to happen and it's just waiting right let excuse me the lieutenant um brannigan shows up and he's like hey um all of you sketch ass fucking dudes all wearing red carnations that's interesting the fuck is this meeting about did someone die that i was unaware of or is this going to be a craps game you know kind of thing and he's they're trying to get their way out of this and adelaide shows up 
Um, and Benny has the bright idea of being like, no, 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 no. He's getting married because he's like, oh, there's Adelaide. We can just say that they're getting married. He doesn't know that like Nathan and Adelaide had a whole blow up fight about this, like the night before or whatever. So Adelaide shows up and he's like, hey, this is a bachelor party because they're going to get married. And he's and they're having conversation about like, oh, well, when is it happening? And he's like, well, I don't know yet. We haven't set a date. And the lieutenant actually makes the suggestion that they should just elope. Which he mentioned something, Nathan mentioned something about you want me to do something illegal. Which I'm very confused about. Yeah, when when he says, hey, the two of you should go elope. And he's like, you're suggesting something illegal to me. I didn't know eloping was illegal. I didn't either. Well, because like, and the lieutenant's like, well, no one is going to question it at your guys' age. Because they'd have to cross state lines because they're, because he was like, oh, it's going to take a while because we have to get the license and we have to get a blood test and, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, 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 you should cross state lines and do it tomorrow night because over the next state over doesn't require those things and you could get married that same day. Huh. So, and they're not going to question anything because you guys are old as fuck and why the hell aren't you married yet? Fair question. Yeah, so I'm I'm like, okay, eloping is illegal. Weird. All right. And he says, all right, cool, fine. We'll do that. As And he says it kind of as like a, we're going to do this as a cover. But also I think that he could potentially be down with that with Adelaide. And we get the number Adelaide. I it's like it. Sweet, I like it too, um, especially because Frank's the one singing it. Yes, 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 yes. The Frank Sinatra. And it's this beautiful number of just like, Adelaide, I love you so much. You've put up with my shit for so long. I don't know why, but I love you and I'm excited to marry you. Um, Can so, I say real quick? Huh? Can I say something real quick? Y- yeah. So we've got this big scene full of all of these mobsters at Mindy's? Mindy's? Lindy's? Which Mindy's. One Mindy's. And um, one of the things that I always love about MGM productions is like they don't use the color black because it's not interesting to look at and it tends to disappear, especially on film and on stage. But 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 just as a rule, like they don't use black if they don't have to. And um, and it's a rule I use a lot on stage, too. And I love that we have so much like varied, colorful, patterned suiting going on on all of these mobsters. Um, I think it's really great. I think there's a lot of like pattern mashing going on, which is really cool. Like nicely, nicely. Johnson has a very nice complimentary sort of like color or uh, pattern mash happening. Big Julie wears that like lime green shirt. Yeah, yeah. Under there's the some, like navy suit. There are some cool suiting choices going on, and I really think that's neat. Um, however, almost none of the suiting fits, and I hate that. Because the rule... Especially because for all these other productions that they've put on, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, I. it's just, it bothers me here in particular, and there's another scene later that I'll mention where I'm like, oh, gosh, 
what great use of color and pattern and and you know it's also varied and that's so cool but almost nothing fits that's really annoying crash and it's like all i can see when i look at that scene like i can't hear what's going on i can't like i'm not listening to anything i'm just looking at all of the collars that are too wide the sleeves that are too long the 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 pants that are, it, it's just all of these little things that I'm like, oh gosh, you guys raided somebody else's department and just like found whatever would physically go on a body. Right. Which is like not the way to do it in a MGM big budget movie musical. It's just not enough. Right. So they're going to get married tomorrow. Um, the game hopefully is still a thing that's going to happen. Nathan's going to get that figured out because, and he sees the save a soul mission band walking by and he's looking for, uh, miss Sarah Brown and does not fucking see her. And is like, Oh my God, I lost the bet. And she full on faints. Cuba. We're all the way in Cuba. We're all the way in Cuba, which is so far away. To be Um, clear, Cuba is 1,306 miles away from New York City. Christ. And they just bopped down. I was just like, Let's go have some din din. And like yes. my thing is, is like Tell I'm me like, 9/11 did you have... hasn't happened in your timeline yet without telling me that 9-11 hasn't happened in your timeline yet. A mood. Well, and also <laughs> I'm like, okay, so he must have had business down there, but he's with her the entire time. Cause he was planning on going to Havana before this bet. Yeah. So what the fuck? Anyway. I don't know. Are we missing something about the year 1955 in Cuba? Maybe. When there was the... Also, like, when was the Cuban Missile Crisis? Uh, after 55, I'm almost sure. Hang on, I'm gonna find out. Yeah. You find <laughs> out, I'll, I'll the keep The Cuban talking. Missile Crisis didn't happen until 62. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so um, we're it's nighttime, we're out by this church. There's some beautiful music playing in the background. Um, and she, like, Sarah is in her guidebook, right? Not paying attention to anything else happening around her, and she's very analytical and being like, ah, this was built this, da da da. And Sky's like, have you even taken a look at the moon? Have you seen how big and bright the moon is that you could read your guidebook by it? Have you not been listening to this music? Do you not feel how wonderful this night air is? Like what in the entire fuck? Why aren't you like experiencing and living the moment instead of living inside your guidebook? And I'm like, fascinating. Um, so they, 
they head on out and they sit down at this little place and he's like, okay, what do you want to drink? And she's like, milk. And you have and, a real issue with that for whatever reason. Well, yeah. And I, it's some, yeah. It's like, seriously, you're from the States. Can't you represent us better? Yeah. Your culture is relying on you to represent us. man. And, and I, I don't know like, if like, like a weird amount of pressure to put on someone over a cocktail. Like, can you just like let her live? Well, and maybe, and maybe it's because I don't know, maybe there's something at the time about like milk being like a child's drink and why couldn't she like even just have like a soda or something? Whatever. I don't fucking know, but there's a whole thing about it. And so he orders uh dulce de leche and she's like, what, what did you just order me? And he's like, sweet milk, essentially. She's like, yeah, but is there is there any liquor in it? And he's like, only a little because That's enough he, to keep the milk from curdling. From yeah, because because of how hot it is here. And he's like, that's why you can't order milk other than like as a breakfast beverage. I'm sure all of this is just horse shit that he is spouting, but you know, whatever. So she gets it. And she's like, oh, this is would be a wonderful way to get children to drink milk. Well. And, like, I try to look up a recipe for this cocktail. Um, because, And he specifically says that there's Bacardi in it. Right. Um, And I tried to look up a recipe. And I found out, like, in 2005, I believe there was like a revival going on and so Bacardi the rum company was using that as like a marketing thing of like hey in this musical there's also this cocktail that uses our rum so it was like a joint kind of thing between the two of them and I was like oh that's cool um but the only thing that I could find is that they it's like Bacardi um some kind of like dark chocolate liqueur or something and sweetened condensed milk and now i want to try like a shot's worth of that i think that sounds like a bad time because it's like coconutty chocolatey very sweet um Kind of like like I'm thinking of it kind of like a like a chocolate martini. Mm. Like maybe it'd have that vibe, but like coconutty, chocolatey, you know, whatever. Well, creamy liqueur always makes my tummy upset and then I then I then I heave. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I don't I that's don't that's why I want like a shot's worth. Yeah, it's why I don't do it's why I don't do mini beers because they top them with cream. It's why I don't do mm. I don't do Kahlua, I don't do Bailey's, I don't do rum chata. I just can't a, a white Russian. A white Russian sounds like a death sentence to me. When I remember when I, I wasn't even 21 yet, and someone had a I had heard of a white Russian and I was at a cousin's wedding and an adult was like, I'll buy you booze. Um, because we live in Wisconsin, and I was like, "Oh, I'll have a white Russian," and they looked at me fucking sideways. And can I tell you though, I did really enjoy it. That's disgusting. It's not something that I would drink to like drink, you know. 
but just like as a sipper, <laughs> I enjoyed it as a sipper. It's not something I would drink to drink. To like get drunk. Oh, kind okay, of. Okay, that's okay. what I mean. Like to drink. I was like, what else would you drink? What else would you do with it? Part my anus. Yeah. Okay. You can really feel the effects of alcohol because it doesn't filter through the kidneys. Moving right along, what happens then? But chugging a white Russian. I don't want to talk about this with you. I don't want to do this. I hate that. I don't want to do this. That's <laughs> fine. Um what happens next? She's fucking plastered. Is what happens. She yeah. and she, by the way, <laughs> the acting here is phenomenal. It's great. Cause she is really giving, she is really giving that girl that like those drinks snuck up on her. Because she did not that she was like, oh, there's just a tiny little bit amount of rum. There's not a tiny bit of rum there isn't no it's quite a bit um so she's like oh this she's like "Mm, you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna save you (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna save you so hard and she is putting that second button through hell yeah she is she's like "Mm, i'm gonna i'm gonna be with she's like you were right in that conversation because they had a conversation before of like oh, if you're only around for like an hour or two of the day, I still have like 23 hours of sin that can happen. And he's like, you would think that you would treat this the same way like you would for like an alcoholic. There's places that you can go that you can be surrounded by people 24-7, right? And so she's like, I'm going to do that for you. I am going to save your soul because I'm going to be with you day and night for your salvation, baby. Okay, you go, girl. And he was like, oh, fucking gay. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm going to save it. And she kisses him. And he's like, oh, fucking gay. So we're going to go to dinner because you need food. Um, Christ. So they're at, they're at dinner and she is still very drunk. And he, you, cause like the drink original, like the cocktail was served in a coconut and he has one that he's drinking. And then she's got a coffee and she keeps trying to like steal his coconut. (laughs) And he's like, fucking no, like, drink your goddamn coffee. You are wasted. All of this is done without words because there's music happening in the background and we're seeing, like, dancing happening. This sequence is also so fucking long. Um, this whole movie is so long. I remember checking the time during this scene because I was like, my God, how much more of this musical could I possibly have to sit through? And this is, like, the halfway mark. Yeah. It's like an hour and 20, hour and 15 is like right around this Havana Club scene. And I was like, this, this is exactly an hour 15 because I also checked it because I was like, where the fuck should I put this intermission? 
where the hell is the halfway point in this goddamn movie? It takes forever. And that's like the exact halfway point. Um, so she's they're in this club and she's kind of vibing and uh still very drunk. And essentially what boils down is there's this woman, she's really fucking hot. Um, and she's hitting on Sky. Sky's got a cigarette in his mouth, and she like pulls the cigarette out of his mouth with her teeth. And Ew. I was like, well, in my head, I was like, oh my god, she put she put the tobacco end just like in her mouth to smoke it. And then I was like, oh my god, I don't know that they had filtered cigarettes at the time, so it didn't matter which end you stuck in your mouth. What? There's like a whole fucking thing that happened in my head. So, um, yeah, so, um, she's like trying to dance with him and then Sarah is like, no, and is like dancing up on him and is like, I've also got your moves down because I'm plastered. Um, and again, I think Jean does a fantastic job acting here because like her dance moves are very precise, but it has just that hint of I'm drunk because it's very easy when you are supposed to play drunk that mm-hmm. you can overact it. Yeah. Because it's, it's the, it's one of the times in acting when you have to have like the really um, intense tension of like being the thing, but not wanting to be the thing, like actively resisting. Like when you, when you're sad on stage, you have to like allow your body to cry while actively resisting the urge to cry. And it's like, it's a very difficult dynamic tension to control, but like being drunk is another one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to be um, stoned on stage once. And at that was point that, I had never been high before. Was that for uh, the weird alien play we did in college? Yeah. 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 That was the, easily the weirdest piece of theater I've ever been engaged in. It's so weird. Tales of the Last Four Mikans. For those out there that are interested in what the fuck the weird alien play is. Um, it was the weirdest time. It was very weird. Um, but anyway, so like I, it's it's such a difficult thing to do. And so I really appreciated the acting this entire chunk of time that she's drunk, which is a good chunk of this last portion of the movie. Bit, yes. Um, so she, like this girl ends up trying to like, still get with sky and sarah just pulls on dexter in the face and they a fight breaks out and again this sequence is also very long it's so long i'm like that it just whatever anyway it's really gratuitous like i wrote down like god the poor set design team because so much of our surroundings get like smashed to smithereens in this moment and like for what like, why did it need to, you didn't need to do all that. Yeah. And also there's this fun woman who like Sarah goes and punches and then it's like her legs are completely flat, like sticking out. Like when you sit on the floor and you stick your legs out, it was like she was in that position, but up in the air and just flying back several, several feet to a comedic point like it was so fucking ridiculous because i was like what the hell is this and i was like oh maybe it's because it's supposed to be 
Sarah's just so strong that she like punched her so hard that she went flying backwards, but it didn't look like that. It was the most ridiculous, and it didn't fit with anything else happening in the scene. It was the most ridiculous shit of my whole life. How ridiculous. I cackled about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so fucking dumb. Anyway. Sky picks her up, picks up Sarah and bolts because the cops show up. We're at a fountain and she is still fucking drunk and her head is in a goddamn fountain. A bell, like a church bell is ringing and she pops and by the time she pops her head back up, she's like, oh my God, I heard bells. Because she thought it was in her fucking head. And she's like, that must mean magical things. And we get uh, we get the number, if I were a bell, which the only, I kept thinking, if I were a rich man. The whole time. Copyright. How dare you. Um, so she she's like, oh, and it's essentially like you've really lit me up today. You've really lit 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 my fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. Um and she's cause like if I was a bell, I'd ding. If I was a bridge, I'd be on fire. If I was this, I'd be fla la la la. And um <laughs> because that's what that is right that's what happened yeah and he kisses her because he's like oh my god i've made her come alive i think i'm in love with this woman and she's like yeah fuck yeah and then she kisses him back and she's like i'm ready and it's this very like that having the conversation without verbatim having the conversation essentially she's like i'm ready to fuck and he's like no you're not and we're not doing that <laughs> you're drunk um you don't know what you're doing and also you don't even know how the hell i even got you here in the first place um and he tells her like a, he tells her fully about the bet he's like listen this was all a part of a bet i want you to know that right now and she was like, well, that makes sense because you're a shitbag. <laughs> so I get that. Not a bitch. And he like kisses her on the tip of her nose. And I was like, what the hell is that about? Because this is like the third time that I've seen that in this movie. But before it was with like Nathan and Adelaide. And I was like, they've been together for a long time. Maybe it's like a cutesy relationshipy thing that they do. But then they do it here. I was like, is that supposed to be like a cutesy intimate thing? Are they doing an intimate? I, I I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, it's just, it kind of like caught me off guard a little bit. It was because it's almost like a forehead kiss, very tender and sweet, but it's like on her nose. I don't fucking know. Anyway. Maybe there's something about nose kisses in the year 1955 that we don't know someone from 1955 get me a call um i can ask my grandma yeah ask her what nose kisses time ask beverly what are you doing joanne i could ask both of them um anyway so he's like okay we need to fucking get going because this is we've got one flight left back to new york let's go bitch so they head out and 
Um, they're back in New York now. The night is very quiet. She is still like kind of drunk a bit, but it's you can definitely see that it's wearing off. Mike, at this point, you're still drunk. Yeah. Because that flight has got to be like six hours long. Yeah, it's got to be close. Five or six hours. And I'm like, and you stopped drinking for a while before that. Like, I don't know. And you ate. I don't. There are just so many things. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, but they're back in New York and they're walking and they're having like a sweet moment. And he picks her a flower out of the garbage can. And because someone had tossed out a bouquet. Um, and she's like, oh, that's so sweet. And then she like, uh, because he hands it to her in a can. And she like takes it out of the can. And then she like sticks the flower in her pocket. Like crumples it kind of like and sticks it in her pocket. Like, oh, this is so sweet. I love this. <laughs> but she's drunk. So she's like, yeah, this is a great, great safe space for this flower. It's great. Um. <laughs> And so she's like, hey, so this was a whole thing. And also, how do you feel about things? Because she, have, they sing a song and it's, a, and I could not for the life of me find the fucking title of this goddamn song. I couldn't find this song anywhere. I'm probably going to find this after this episode has been recorded, but. Um, Maybe, it's a song. Maybe you made it up. Maybe you're losing your mind. Anything's possible. Um, <laughs> so they they're singing, and she's like, "I think I've I've found the guy, and he wasn't what I thought he was going to be. We're in love." And she's like, "And he's like, you're in love because I can see it in your eyeballs." And she's like, "Well, you're in love because I can see it in your eyeballs, huh?" And then make out about it. Um. The mission homies come back and they're like, hey, we've been out all night because you've really got us like jazzed up about getting people to come to our midnight meeting tomorrow. Super jacked about that. Um, couldn't find anybody, though. Boo hiss. And. We hear the cops like sirens happening. All of a sudden, all these fucking guys come pouring out from the back room of the mission. <laughs> all of the gamblers just bolting and he she was like what sarah's like what the entire fuck just happened did you get me to go with you to havana and somehow finagle the mission homies to leave this place unlocked for your fuck jags of friends to come in here and gamble for your what your fuck jags are we allowed to say that? I don't know. Fuck what? What does that mean? I did something that just came out of my mouth, you know, spontaneously. Um, it sounded like a slur. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I've literally not heard anyone say it before. You're just making up words. Like a jagwad. Have you not heard that? So no. I said a fuck jag. Like a jaguar? <laughs> a jaguar. I don't know anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't I don't even want to say it. You don't got I just I don't know. It just came out. Huh. Anyway. So um here, I'll Google it. 
If a, I wish you would. If that is something. I wish you would Google it so that we know we're not saying slurs. Because <laughs> what if it is? And we just breeze right past it? Um, Definition for uh, a jag fuck is a badass motherfucker. Okay. All right, I will accept it. Uh, jag off. Is a, is a thing. I fucking, okay. A jag off is a person who is a jerk st or stupid. Have you never okay. heard jag off before? Um, yeah, I guess I just always misinterpreted it as like people saying jack off funny. Oh. I don't I don't know. I didn't realize it was like It's a slang a term that comes from Pittsburgh. I've never oh. been to Pittsburgh. Huh. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So That's what, what happens, that is? What happens next? So, um <laughs> I don't know. I lost my place in my notes because I had to Google what a jag off was. Will we ever be free of this musical? <laughs> Perhaps not. Um, okay. So they they all came running out and she was pissed because she's like, what the fuck? You did this so that way your friends could play in the back. The cops show up and it's like, God damn it, I missed them. Um, and she thinks that it was all Sky's doing. And Sky very she doesn't even say anything. And Sky very intuitively, after everyone is gone, has been like, So are we going to have a conversation about the fact that you probably think that I did this, even though I didn't? Or are you just going to make that assumption and never talk to me again? Um, and she's like, well, I made that assumption and now you're talking to me about it. So I guess we're going to fight about it. They end up storming off separate places. And um, so sad day. We don't know what's going on here. Hot box. We are there now. <laughs> It's the next night. Sky shows up because he's going to try and talk to Nathan. And because he's going to try, Sky is going to try and still hold himself accountable for his marker that he made with her about having the 12 genuine sinners at their reform meeting. And the Sky, so he shows up. Nathan's not there, but nicely is. And he's like, no, I've got to tell Adelaide that they're not going to actually go elope tonight. And it's going to be a fucking mess. And I'm mad about it. Um, and Sky's like, okay, if you tell me the location of where the game is happening at, I'll tell her for you. We get the number, take back your mink. It's a very cute number. Um, I love this number. Again, it feels like a very long number. It is a full-blown production number. We probably didn't need it to be that long. We also probably didn't need it to be here. No. Because it's a really, really long movie. Like, an obnoxiously long movie. Yeah. Um, so, I do really love, the, like, the costume reveal in it, though. And, like, I just think it's a great number. I like the choreo because they, like, drop the mink coat. And they're, like they act like they're coming back to it to pick it up. And then the like arm thing that they do that it's very choreographed, but it's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take it. Um, it's very cutesy and I like it. Great um, 
yeah sky is in the back now talking with adelaide and he's like hey you're not eloping um sorry he's otherwise you know indisposed or whatever right now and she's like what the fuck he's at a game i thought he was gonna change why can't he change i love him so much and he's and um he has this really great line about the fact that he's like i can't stop trying to make him something that he's not yeah yeah he has a line in there about like don't be a tailor you can't you can't marry a man like a like a blank swath of fabric or swatch of fabric or something. He says, um, you can't make a man according to how they wear husbands this year. Love that. That's a great line. Love that line. That's good writing. And then she is crying and she's like, the upsetting part about all of this is that I actually really love him. And that's shitty. Yeah. And then she Adelaide tells Sky, wait till you fall in love with someone that you shouldn't. And of and course. He has. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he has this moment of like, yeah, because that would be shit. Because it is. Um, it just, it just really is exceptional book writing. Like, no wonder they won best book at the Tonys. Yeah. Because it yeah. just really is. I know it's long and I know there's a lot of like nothing happening, but when you look at like the story itself, it's very compelling and it's got some real good writing moments. I just, I think so much of it, if it was just tightened, it's, if it's it was tightened, if it was, yeah. Um, yeah the problem with the pacing being there is none. <laughs> yeah. Just like this episode. I mean, my God. Uh, uh. Well, Have you ever noticed that our episodes almost always reflect, like, tonally the musical that we cover? Yeah. With with a couple of exceptions, but, like... I think so. Yeah. Well, shit. Anyway, so we're back <laughs> in the mission. Meanwhile, back in the mission. Meanwhile, um, back to the ranch. Uh, Sarah's uncle is there, and he's talking to her about, like, I didn't realize until this moment right now how in love you are with him, with Sky, And you should go be with him and fuck this place and fuck this messaging. Love is, is king. Like, isn't that something that's so special and so great and so pure that the Lord gives us? And why are you shitting on it? And she does, she does the fucking around with the button thing and the uncle goes and like fixes her button and is like no no calm down you're in love it's great sky shows up and is like nope i'm he's like hey i know we had an argument last night i'm still gonna get you those guys for tonight's meeting and she said and sarah's like don't even bother just consider it that we're we're squared up and because of all of those guys that were playing the game, she's like, technically, those were all sinners in the mission. So, we're square. I won't hold you to it. And she walks away. And the uncle is like, hey, listen, I'm going to hold you to your marker. And I'm going to I'm gonna tell everybody that you're a chump if you don't make this happen. In kind of like a wink, wink, nod, nod thing. Um which is very cute. I like that interaction between the two of them. 
We find out that the game this entire time has just been in a New York City sewer. Yeah. For the past 24 hours, which is why Nathan couldn't elope with Adelaide. Because um, Big Julie, who is just some random fucking guy that... He's some kind of mob figurehead. Harry, well, Harry the horse was like, hey, this is my friend Big Julie from Chicago. And he, so I'm like, you fucking brought this guy in on this action. And he's like essentially holding everyone there against their will because he has a gun. Yeah, like by threat of violence. So. Yeah. And I'm just like, fucking seriously. Come on, Harry the horse asshole anyway so (laughs) just an asshole fucking asshole um so we come down into the sewer and it's just fucking choreo upon choreo this is another thing that like it's minutes and minutes long of them dancing and acting like out the choreo is very much so like them throwing dice yeah so here are my opinions on on the craps game Give it to me. Love the dancing gamblers. Hate the suiting that is happening here. Their socks do all match their suits, which is very cool. And also Frank Sinatra's tie with the pinstripes that matches suit is pretty neat. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have to say about it. Excellent. So um, this is so long. Blah, blah, blah. Big Julie is a piece of shit. So... um, he, we find out that Big Julie has lost $25,000, which is a lot of money, end of sentence. But at this time, I looked it up and it was a, over 300000 in today's money. Holy Christ. And he's like, I don't know. I'm not fucking done yet. I'm on a losing streak. And so we're going to do this. And no one else had cash to put up. They weren't fucking doing this. Oh, they had cash, but he didn't have cash to put up, so he's going to put up his marker. And they're like, no. We're not doing that with you. You've lost how much fucking money in this 24 hours holding us here? No. And so then he kind of bullies Nathan into gambling, and he's like, against a threat of violence, right? And Nathan, because Nathan usually doesn't do any of that. And big julie's like yeah but we're gonna use my dice these are special dice that i had made for me in chicago and he's like can i get a look at those dice before and he's like yeah sure looks at them they're fucking blank dice there's no dots on them there's not like the grooved portions of where the dots should be nothing and he's like well i remember at where all of the dots are and exactly how they land and don't worry are you calling me a fucking liar and he's like, no, it's just like, what the hell? So they, they're they rolling, um, and he bets 1000 and then 2000 And surprise, surprise, Big Julie wins both of those. And then he's like, here, in good faith, I'll bet you a dollar. And then Big Julie loses that time. He'd be like, see? No, I'm telling you the truth. A fucking idiot. Anyway, um... So Sky shows up and is like, hey, guys, like, this is, I do it as a big favor for me. Come to the mission, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, absolutely fucking not. Big Julie is like, hey, you should come down here and play me. And if you're not going to do that, 
fuck off before I shoot you, essentially. Yeah, this guy's like, this guy's like, okay, bet, comes down and then just punches out Julie. Just gets him square in the fucking face and takes the gun away from him and just hands it to Nathan. And he's like, okay, everybody. So here's the deal. Um, what if I bet each of you $1,000 against your soul? So if I win, you all have to come to a meeting um, at this, this church meeting, right? And if you, but if I lose, I'll pay you each a thousand bucks. They're like, uh, oh, fucking K. Let's do that. And then we get the number of luck be a lady, which is weird because Frank Sinatra's standing right there. And it's Marlon yeah. Brando that sings it. Yes. It's... And it's not good. Mm, no. It's very uncomfortable. This is another thing where because his vocal quality isn't that great, I'm like, this number is too long. Everything's yeah. too long. Cut everything by at, at least a minute and a half. Yeah. Minimally. Yeah, I agree. Um. And so he rolls, it's like this, the number builds and they're like, why aren't you throwing, da, 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 whatever. And he chucks it and we don't see what happens. We flip to the next, I believe this is the next day. I would assume so. Or something. Um, and he's like, okay, so here's the thing, my dear friends. Uh, they're like coming down nicely, Benny and... Nathan are all coming downstairs and they're wearing their red carnation and they're like, come on, we got to get to this meeting. So we find out in that way that sky did win. Um, and Nathan is going to be heading out and Adelaide comes in and they're going to have this conversation about like, well, we, cause this is the night she's like, we could just go get married right fucking now. And you're not going to do that. He's like, I would love to. I'd love nothing more, but I have something to do. And she's like, oh, my God, why you are fucking lying to me again? You have a game. And he's like, you're not going to believe me if I told you the truth anyway. Right. Why would I and lay it out for you? It's not going to make a difference. And she's like, try me. And he's like, I have to go to this reform meeting with the mission. And she's like, you're fucking lying to me. And then he, they have the conversation, sue me, which is the so song that they end up singing. Luck be a lady tonight? Bad. Sue yeah. me? Good. It's delightful. It's very cute. It's very cute. And it's like, I'm I'm sorry I'm in love, so sue me. Yeah. I'm sorry I have these things going on, so sue me, kind of thing. Um, it's very sweet between the two of them. And the entire time I'm just shouting at the television, just take her to the fucking meeting with you. There was nothing in the rules that you couldn't take her to this meeting show her that it's real and then go get married like i just is anyway so they don't do that spoiler alert um but he ends up leaving after at the end of this number he ends up leaving um and they're having this con after this conversation and all of the guys show up at the mission they just come pouring in, right? And the the big wig general that's not usually there is there. She sees all this happening. And she's like, this is so great. And Sky's like, okay, now you all gave me your marker. I'm appointing Nathan as my deputy. He has He's going to make sure that every single one of you 
fulfills this marker. And if you don't, we're going to have a conversation face to fucking face, bitch. And I'm, I'm going to get your ass. Um, but in a very like low key subdued way, because you know, there's the religious homies in the back. Mm-hmm. Sky leaves. Um, and they're all starting to give different testimonies and, um, they, the Lieutenant shows up and it's like, aha, you're all fucking here. And it's in the middle of one of the, one of the guys giving testimony. And he's like, no, no, no. no. And he goes to, and the Lieutenant goes to Sarah. He's like, no, no, no. They were here playing craps in the mission last night. Weren't they? Or did I make that all up? And Sarah just looks him dead in the face and does not rat out those guys. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Solidarity, sister. And um, so he leaves. The lieutenant leaves. And Nathan confesses to the craps game. And um, the, the general is like, wait a minute. Because the one one of the guys is like, yeah, when I was betting my soul against the thousand dollars last night and sh- and the general was like wait a minute you used fire against fire you bet them their souls to get here and now they're here because they lost a bet that's fucking brilliant brava sarah right and she's and this gal is like oh my god sky must be a wonderfully upstanding human being which is whatever we get the number because nicely is like, Hey, I have a testimony to give. And his testimony is the number. Sit down. You're rocking the boat. So I was under the impression that this song was in like the first act of this musical. Yeah. So I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for it to happen. And finally I was like, Oh man, maybe it's not in here. And then it happened. And I was like, we're like 10 minutes to the end of this musical. And I was like, is this the closing number from guys and dolls? It essentially is. Yeah, it's the last full number we get. Um, we've sang this song like with choirs and things. Why have I? Why did I never know that this was a, a finale number? Because it doesn't feel. It feels like an act one closer kind of. It doesn't to me. Yeah. I don't think it really it doesn't feel like a finale number. Like a finale. Um, and. So it's it's sung wonderfully. It's done very well. Except um, he's singing it at the camera. But like mm-hmm. in the corner at the camera. Yes. It's weird. Um, also at the end of the number, he just like, the way he just sits. Everybody just is like, after like singing and dancing and whatever, we don't get like a close, like we just get like a stop and everybody goes about their normal lives. And nicely just fully just like sits down and folds his hands. And he kind of has this look on his face. Like what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And this is the only time that that happens. It's the only time that happens in this entire movie. So it's very out of place and doesn't make sense to me. But a lot of this doesn't. So. um, Nathan then confesses. Yes, we were playing craps in the mission. Um, And then he's like. 
they have this kind of coded conversation about like, hey, that bet that Sky and I had, he told me that I won the bet, that that didn't happen. So it's kind of like him signaling to her, like, listen, he paid out a bet because he didn't want to have to bet against something with you. He loves you. Go get him, Tiger. No. Precious. Flash forward. We see wedding cakes walking walking down Times Square. And I was walking like, cakes. This musical has everything. Yeah. Um, so they're walking these cakes down, and you're it's kind of exactly like the beginning scene a bit. Like we see a lot of the same people that were just chorus members that are now chorus members again. And we've, we've got a, a double wedding kids. We find oh, out nicely yeah. joined the mission. Um, Sky and Sarah are getting married. And finally, after forever, Nathan and Adelaide are getting married. Which at first, so like the first couple that goes with the I do's is um, Sky. <laughs> Sky and Sarah. And if I were Adelaide, I'd be like, no, we're first. Uh, <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not giving this whore another second to back out of this. Um, but yeah, she deserves it. She should right. absolutely be the one saying I do first. Right. And so she said, so Adelaide then says, I do. And then when Nathan gets asked, he sneezes, kind of calling back to the whole, like, when she was a nervous wreck and all of that about when were they going to get married? She had a cold and now he's exhibiting those symptoms. Cutesy, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, oh, my God, they're married. They're heading off. The streets are clearing. And then they, like do that freeze thing that they saw in the beginning and the end. The freeze at the end is so shitty. It is because it's an actual live freeze. Okay. We did it. We finished it. We're done. It's over. It's over. We're dead. We lived, but we're dead. Yeah. It happened. Um, it happened. I wish it hadn't happened. I'm glad we covered it because Guys and Dolls is sort of a quintessential movie musical. And I'm glad we never have to cover it again. Yeah, samesies. So, shall we rate it? Two. Uh... I don't know. Well, I truly, I, my brain is so like, I don't, the book writing is excellent. A lot the of really the, good. the MGM is really great. Um, we've got a few really cool numbers. There's just so much extra shit that we don't need that could be plucked out of this to, to tighten it. Um, and I feel like no pacing in a time when we're very used to dubbing voices we choose not to dub untrained vocalists and and it shows right um none of the suiting is fitted the costume it it this is the kind of work that i was doing on like my 
like my second or third large scale musical where like there are concepts there there are color stories being told there are choices being made but like nothing fits yeah and granted they're playing with like a mob aesthetic so the suits weren't all like crazy fitted but if right. you're gonna do like the zoot suit look or like an unfitted you know like if you're gonna do like an oversized pant you're gonna do like a like a really broad intentionally broad jacket then like there are still finishings and details and fitting details that that need to be tended to and they weren't um i suppose i can give it a two it's got some it's got some good numbers i love it's, adelaide and the writing and the writing is is really great yeah uh yeah yep so a two all right the bitty test the bt the bitty drake pass fail pass i'm gonna pass it i'm gonna pass it i think so because of the the acting with um the really good acting that Jean does the sarah does when she's drunk and yeah. uh, her singing it fits the character just fine there's frank sinatra in this vivian who plays um adelaide does a great job she's just, she just fantastic the, the ensemble the really girls the yeah. ensemble does great i'm gonna um, pass it it has some weak moments but we get through them yeah all right cool oh, two and a pass okay um <laughs> shall i fire off a, a i don't know what do you want when you cheesecake danish what do you prefer cheesecake okay here's a bit of cheesecake for you it's a quote from natalie wood and the quote is, you can't always be a leading lady. Sometimes you have to be the character actress. Story of my life. Yeah, yeah. Story of both of our lives, truly. But um, I thought it was a nice quote because I think that Adelaide kind of steals this movie. She does. She's the only thing that I look forward to in it. She's only, the only actor that I really don't have any qualms with at any point. So sometimes it's okay to be the character actress. Sometimes the character actress steals the show you know yeah so uh where can they find you um well they can find us at backstage biddies um you can That's email us <laughs> yeah i know you can email us our, your listener requests and things like that at backstage biddies at gmail.com um let us know any anything any suggestions for the playlist um also we are pushing out some behind paywall content um any help would be doing no back god this movie has completely scrambled my brain subscribing to things like that really helps us out as podcasters and being able to continue to give you guys content um and we appreciate all of all of you listeners subscribe or not yes um, so follow us on spotify subscribe to the podcast um i think you get notifications if you follow yes so do both of those things. Um, follow us on Podvine so we can be featured. Yeah. Um, what else? I don't know. I don't think anything. You can find me on places at Binny Biddy. Um, where can they find you? Uh, so that's a worthwhile question. There are lots of new social media apps rolling out right now. Mastodon, Blue Sky, Threads. Um, I've considered getting back on Instagram. Is there, I mean, where should I go? You tell where me, should... what can, where can you find me? Where, would where you should like we go? Where should we go? 
I mean, Twitter is fully imploding in on itself more and more every day. Like it's, it gets yeah. worse literally every minute of every day. And by the time this gets posted, it might not even exist. So uh, you tell me. How fun and where thrilling. Where can you find me? Because I'll go there. <laughs> it's like a Where's Waldo situation. Um, yeah. You just let me know what the fuck is up. Well, excellent. Another day, another another disappointing musical. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you next Monday. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.